Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson, your host, here with you, along with my brother Aaron. Hello, everybody. And uh, it's been a couple of weeks, sorry, we haven't had an episode for a couple of weeks. We were going to record a few nights ago, and I got a little got a little bit of the little bit of the grossness and couldn't record, so. Bubble gut? Yeah, well, these changing temperatures. I always, <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is it. No, I didn't have the shits. Insane. <laughs> I had a violent brown the other day that was just, whew. <laughs> It's this time of year is when I always get a cold or two um, with these changing temperatures. You know, you, you you get up in the morning and it's 32, then you go to lunch and it's 67, and then you go home from work and it's 26. <laughs> I get it. But this was like a car backfiring. It's like quick. It was the quickest poop I've ever had in my life. But it was accelerated. <laughs> Blast off. <laughs> yeah, I was like, good Lord. <laughs> but we're happy to be back with you, everybody, in this week's show. Um, we're kind of doing something a little different this time. And that's why I kind of picked this, because I was like, you know, this is actually, literally, I don't, unless at some point when I was a teenager, I saw the video or something. This is literally a show I've never seen. Um, it's the WWF UK Rampage 1993 and as I was watching it, I was like, you know, first of all, with as much wrestling as we watch for the show and just in general, a lot of times it's hard to find something from back in the day that you've never seen, you know. And then it's also kind of cool to see, what do I want to say, see the WWF in a non-conventional presentation, you know, like yeah. these U- UK shows. They aren't. They aren't. They aren't like the United States television product that they produced. Yeah, and it's not. Um, it's just. It's. It's um, how people used to say about the uh, UK only pay per views that we go in that we're like probably going to talk about at some point because we'll get there eventually. You know, we'll probably end up watching everything on the network, right? Uh, <laughs> review. But um, it's like those where it's like, this isn't a show to to clip along storylines or anything. This is just a standalone. And they and honestly, they do have a little bit of storyline going on because they're talking about like what's coming up in London and things like that. But it's not anything to further any of their stories on their on on American television. You know what I mean? Right. It's essentially, a televised house show is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the show took place uh, April 11th, 1993. It's about a week after WrestleMania 9. Um, so they do make reference to some stuff that happened at WrestleMania 9 here. And, of course, they talk about Hulk Hogan being the new WWF champion and um, things like that. Lord Alfred Hayes introduces the show, and then he introduces our commentating team. And when I saw who it was, I was so happy because very rarely do you get to see them together. But when you do, it's gold. It's Jim Ross and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yes, it was. And they are good together. They're, and um, there, there's a few times, and, and I, I'm sure I have notes of them or whatever, where you can tell that... that um, Ross and Bobby just started working together because there's a couple points where Bobby's trying to like be Bobby and like set up like him asking him a quite like Bobby will put a question out there and Ross doesn't like quite pick up on it like like Gorilla or Vince would you yeah. know they're still feeling each other out but 
it's it, it's still awesome to see those two together. And I wish they, I wish it would have lasted longer. But I do too. And and you can also tell, not just to to what you said. You know, Jr. Like I said, we're a week after WrestleMania nine, so Jr. is literally a week on TV with the company. You can also tell as the show goes on. Jr. adjusting from the way he called things in WCW to the way that they wanted things called in the WWF as well. Yeah. yeah. He tries, he tries very hard commentating in the WWF to downplay his accent a lot. You know, he tries to sound more. Um, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for, not Northern, but he tries to sound more corporate. Like, I don't I even know. I don't even know how to, what I'm trying to say, but he just, at this time he sounds different. In the WWF now, later on down the line, when he's like, "Well, fuck it, I'm Jr. I'm the second most powerful man in the company," he doesn't give a shit as much. But at this time, he's trying to impress the new boss, you know. Yeah, and um, it had to be brought up because uh, Tony Schiavone even said that um, Vince McMahon thought Tony Schiavone talked too Southern, and Schiavone's like, "I don't even have a Southern accent." <laughs> yeah, you don't even. You couldn't. You wouldn't even be able to tell Tony was Southern if he wouldn't tell you yeah. he's Southern. Yeah, if he didn't say I'm from Virginia, he wouldn't even like. You know what I mean? It's like what the mm -hmm. fuck. But yeah, <laughs> so I just think anybody that doesn't have a new ha doesn't have a uh, north, what is it, northeastern cadence? Accent, yeah, you know, cadence is is a is a hillbilly to Vince. So. Well, we start out the show, and like I said, it's not it's not conventional because they uh, not only did they separate up the tag teams here, but one member of one of the tag teams isn't even on the show. I don't know what was up with that; doesn't matter. But the first match that we get out here is Fatu from the Head Shrinkers, of course, with Afa in his corner against Brian Nobbs from the Nasty Boys. And this crowd in Sheffield, England, is super happy that the WWF is in town because they are hot for everything. Yes, they are. And um, sometimes it's like if, okay, uh, Sags wasn't there, like maybe Sags had something going on where he wasn't allowed to go out of the country or something. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, yeah. like that happens is what I thought because, I, and um, honestly, I also thought, oh, Samu probably definitely wasn't able to get out of the country. And then he's on the card. So I'm like, yeah. maybe, I don't know, maybe it's something to do with his travel. Or maybe like you got sick, I don't know. But it is kind of weird seeing a singles nasty boy. Um but it's like you said, the fans are into it. Um I do United Kingdom fans are known for doing the horn thing. Yeah. You know, her, 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 or whatever. It did pop me when it was like horn, 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 nasty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like they didn't say knobs. It was just horn, 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 horn. Nasty. <laughs> like that's kind of funny. I don't have a lot of no I don't have a lot of notes on the match. Um, just you know, these two guys are hard hitting, and that's what they're doing here. They're just pummeling the shit out of each other. Um, yeah. Um. Um. Sorry. I found it now. Um, you can edit that a little bit, right? Because mm -hmm. I did find I did find where I'd, I I was like, oh man, Jim Ross and Bobby Heenan, Jimmy uh, Ross really isn't picking up on some of Bobby's like you know 
um, ways of getting somebody to like get to his punchline because um, um, they um, um, knobs did the did the um, um, ten punches in the corner, and he kept trying to get him to like like Bobby kept going. That's amazing. And Jim Ross just kept talking, and he was like, "That's amazing." And Ross kept talking. He's like, "It's amazing, Ross." And then he just kind of had to set up his own joke, like he had to be like, "It's amazing." I didn't even know those people could count to ten. Yeah. And Ross just wasn't picking up on what he was saying. It's mm-hmm. like man, Jim just kind of left him, left him hanging there. <laughs> like, no wonder he got fired. <laughs> Jim Ross sucked. I'm kidding, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. But it was it was a decent opening match. Um, Nob is never going to set the world on fire singles wise, but um, he does have. I mean, say what you want to say about him, but he did have charisma and shit. So oh yeah, I, I enjoyed the match, and it was what it was. And um, unless you want to go over more of the action, there's like the one question I was going to ask the panel, but we don't have a panel. It's just us, so I'm um, going to ask you. No, the last thing I have is the finish. Like I said, I, I didn't have, I didn't take, I don't have, I don't have a lot of notes on any of the matches because again, since it's something I'd never watched before, I was kind of so into watching it that I didn't, I mean, I took little notes here and there, but you know, just a, a general discussion of the show really. Yeah. I got notes, not a like, not like pages and pages and pages, but I have my, some of my notes are mainly just like observations, not even of the match, but just like little questions. Mm-hmm. Like, um, if you didn't say the uh, finish of this match, Fatu gets a mafia kick and his feet on the ropes. One, two, three, Fatu victorious over uh, Brian Knobs. So mm-hmm. that's how that goes. The question I have is the Nasty Boys, should they. Uh, go into the WWF or the WWE Hall of Fame. I'd say yes, and the reason I'd say yes is because they had a. Let's see, we're t- let's let's just say starting in 1990, and then rounding up in ni- like what late 96, early 97, or into 97, they had a decent six to seven year career as a team. Uh, they worked for all the major promotions and they had a championship career as well. Yeah. And they had that, you know what they say, what you want about them. They weren't like you said, you're not going to, the, the nasty boys aren't going to be doing moonsaults and shit. That's not their purpose for a brawling tag team. When they were in the ring with another good brawling tag team, they had some good ass matches. The, we've talked they, about the Steiner brothers matches, the stuff with and, they did. and Sullivan. They did. And, and I would, I would honestly say not to, like I said, I wasn't shitting on Brian Nobbs because I enjoy Brian Nobbs. Um, Jerry, when he needed to, that dude could go, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he downed his style to be that brawling wrestler. And, like, cause, cause, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, I I think they deserve to be in in the Hall of Fame. And I wouldn't be mad at it if they did. It wouldn't be I, anything. I'd be like, yeah, they're just picking somebody to pick. They're just picking a tag team to pick a tag team. You know, I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be like that. So, I think they should be. I, I think, agree. I think there's people in there now that shouldn't be in there before them. You know, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people don't. 
that's the other thing I hate is people that just degrade the WWE Hall of Fame. Like, oh, it doesn't mean shit. Well, it does. It means something to the guys that are going in it. Or at least yep. some of them, you know. It means it me. How how do I say? It? Oh, they just give him like five thousand dollars a ring and a plaque. That's all it is. Well, what yeah. did Dave Meltzer give anybody? <laughs> Dave Meltzer don't give anybody shit. That's what he ain't nobody. <laughs> He's only paying himself with subscriptions. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. is he taking all the subscription money that he got from his annual fucking Hall of Fame? Just take the money from your little Hall of Fame uh, uh, paper or whatever that year and give it to the guys that you put in it? No, I doubt he no. did that. No. Nope. He doesn't, even pay, he doesn't even pay his panelists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so fuck him. But they oh, the WWE Hall of Fame, like I said before, is like WWE Hall of Fame doesn't have they don't even have a they don't even have a building. It's like well Dave doesn't even have a fucking banquet. <laughs> and I'm not even saying anything against you know him mm-hmm. having the Observer Hall oh, of Fame. Yeah, me too. We have our own stupid we little Hall of Fame here. Hall of Fame, and we don't have near the amount of people watching or reading or listening to us that Dave has, but I just Sorry. I, yeah, I den- denigrating denigrating the WWE Hall of Fame is stupid, and it, that's for the it, that is that section of the that is that sector of the the wrestling audience that gets on my nerves because all they do is shit on everything. I don't even know why they watch wrestling. Except AEW. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, the next thing we get on this show here is Lord Alfred. It's interesting to see Lord Alfred interview interview Doink. I never, I don't know if I'd ever seen Lord Alfred Hayes and Doink on the same screen at the same time. <laughs> They've and, been in uh, the same clubs. And party, <laughs> I can tell you that. Well, I actually have written down here. Matt Bourne must have been partying hard because he sound he sounds like he's he sounds like he's a little he's a little under the weather <laughs> on this. You know, his, his voice is a little gruff. <laughs> he's probably well, actually, actually Matt Bourne would probably sound worse if he didn't. <laughs> Have you ever met anybody like that? Somebody that's more more coherent when they're fucked up. <laughs> that's that's so messed up on shit that when they don't take it, they're like, oh. I mean, like that's what those. I don't want to. I'm not saying this about Matt Bourne, but it's kind of like the people they send to the methadone clinic. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. we have to give you this stuff because your body's so used to it, but we're going to give it to you in controlled, like, you know, whatever. But um, I'm sure it's not the case with Matt. But yeah, he was probably a little fucking inebriated the night before. No way, no how he wasn't. That dude was fucking crazy. He's like, he was like, um, like you go to Jake with people like I got to get away from you, man. Like people were like, I don't want anything to do with that guy. He's fucking crazy. But um, <clears throat> yeah, Lord Alfred interviewing Doink. Um, we like rooted out by him or whatever. Yeah, it was good stuff. And and of course, Matt Bourne, as we talked about in the past, is fantastic in this role. Um. He, 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 at first he starts off uh, buddying up to Lord Alfred. Oh, you got a sense of humor. 
Lord Alfred's like, of course I do. And then um, by the end of it, uh, he's talking, he's going to be having a match on this show with Kamala. So he discusses Kamala. And then, of course, he talks about Crush because he's still in his feud with Crush. And then at the end of it, he goes dickhead and sprays Alfred with the spray, with the, with the flower yeah. uh, to end the interview. But he'll doink fantastic. Yep. Wish they could have kept him clean. That's the only reason it didn't work. And you could have, you could have the, eventually and bobby was playing the seeds for it bobby was playing the seeds for them to take his makeup off at some point and reveal yeah, so who, who is that guy who i is know who that is i know yeah. eventually you probably could have done a reveal and just had it yeah, be like, like oh my god it's matt Bourne. Mm-hmm. jesus christ we haven't seen him <laughs> since wrestlemania one what happened right, right. <laughs> and then there's a whole new story how do you go crazy <laughs> Like, when did he get with the circus? When did he get with the circus? And then when did he get psycho? It's a great, it'd be, it'd be a great I story. Even, I didn't even think of that. Like going further into it. Yeah. Like, we haven't seen him since WrestleMania 1. What happened? <laughs> He's pretty normal then. I mean... <laughs> we heard he went off and had... He, he left and he was a lumberjack. Yeah. And then... Yeah, I went to WCW. That's what happened. <laughs> Eventually, he could come out like, ah, oh, if he would have stayed longer, like maybe moved into the Attitude Era. He could have come out to that fucking, uh, uh, they could have bought the rights to that Jackal song or whatever. <laughs> yeah, Lumberjacker, baby. <laughs> Is that Jackal? <laughs> I think so. It's one of those bands. <laughs> like, they could have came out to that. That would have been fun. But the, but, uh, but, like I said, the match here is Doink versus Kamala. Um, it's funny when the when it, when it first gets started up because the referee finds a, a giant club. <laughs> like yes. Doink has a giant You never club. find anything. <laughs> right. Like, like the ref never finds anything when they pat him down, but this is like the first time in the history of ever, and it's a giant wooden club <laughs> yes. pulled out. I, I fucking laughed my ass off at that. I was like, that's fucking great. I did too, because like he pulls it out and the fans are like Oh, and Doink's like, I don't have that guy. <laughs> How did that get <laughs> He was playing a whack. Come on. <laughs> Who put that there? Yeah, that was fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculously big for something that he was trying to hide. That's the other thing, too. You can kind of, that we were talking about this being different. These those England these England shows, you can tell Vince doesn't have his hands all over it, you know, because people are doing things that w- that normally wouldn't have happened. Like that never would have <laughs> happened if Vince was running the show that night. So that was somebody's idea. <laughs> maybe maybe Matt Bourne himself. I don't know, but that was, was somebody. Matt Bourne was like, "I got this big stick. I'm gonna put it up my sleeve." And Jerry Briscoe <laughs> was like. <laughs> Let the, let, the, let the referee let the referee find it. Yeah, like, and and he slowly pulled it out. Yeah. <laughs> the slow reveal, this big stick. It was good shit. And then I'm like, and I'm not even saying this in a bad way, okay? But it's like Kamala, the Ugand the Ugandan giant Kamala versus the evil clown Doink. This is as WWF as WWF can get. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I'm not even knocking it because it's fucking entertaining. And 
the st- pretty much the story of the match is you know Doink's out wrestling Kamala. He's confusing Kamala. Um, I, I wrote down at one point, and this is another thing. I don't know if, they, if they, he'd have been able to say this on WWF TV in the states either. Bobby Heenan just literally oh, refers yeah. to Kamala as the black guy from Uganda. Yeah. Because what happens is it, to set up the context of it, Doink goes under the ring, and Ross brings up, "Are they going to switch again?" Is he going to switch? And then he comes back up and Ross goes, Law, or Ross, or heh, Heenan, I don't even know if that's the same guy. And he goes, big fat black guy from Uganda? Yeah, he's been in there the whole match. It's like, I'm talking about doink. Big fat black guy from Uganda? <laughs> yeah, that never, they never, he never would have said that on Raw or something. Yeah, I was like, that shit was great. Like, part of me doesn't like sometimes when Bobby will say jokes or whatever, he's Bobby heaning it up, you know. Like, I didn't even know they could count to ten like that. Mm-hmm. Like, he's making those jokes. I honestly think that was that was just Bobby Heenan in that moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was <clears throat> not the same equivalent, but like when he was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" You know, and it, mm-hmm. Coleman was on him or whatever. Just not even thinking about where he was at. He was like big fat black guy from Uganda. Yeah, it's him. <laughs> and this shit. match, like Aaron said, is is as WWF as WWF gets, and everybody put but but in the match, both guys played their part perfectly. And that's what I'm saying. I didn't say it was a negative thing. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I. I don't want to say it. Like, oh, it's so cartoonish up there or whatever. It's like, well, it, it's it's pretend wrestling. It's, it's pretend. You know? Mm-hmm. None of this is real. Yeah. And it's fake. So get over it. And two, um, if, uh, if it was real, um, it's just, I don't want to say it. It's a combat sport, and this guy's trying to be ridiculous and psyche out by being a st- silly clown, like an evil clown. You know what I mean? It just well, it's, and also, I hate, when, I hate when people overthink wrestling and don't want to have fun with it. Oh yeah. Also, if it was real, okay. Another thing, and I'm going to go way out there on this one, but that's all right, just to prove a point. When did when did they first play the those first vignettes of Kamala that were taped in Jerry Jarrett's backyard? Let me look it up. When did Kamala, when did Sugar Bear Harris make his debut as Kamala? Because I'm going to make a point here. 85? Let me see. Da, 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 da. Let me uh, get on the Wikipedia machine here. It was, I, I want to say it was 85. When Kamala debuted. I don't want to say when Sugar Bear did. But I think it was 85. Actually, Sugar Harris met Continental Promoter Jarrett to Jerry Jarrett. Character for come on. Actually, according to Wikipedia, it was around 82, 83. Okay. But anyway, my point is. Which would make sense. So they're right, probably, because like he ends up feuding with Hogan and has his head on the spike after Hogan became camp. So in in 87. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's an early. So, all right, but my point is, and this is on everybody that ever promoted him. This is 93. 
the Kamala character debuts in the early 80s on Memphis, and he goes through Memphis. He goes through a bunch of other territories. He winds up in the WWF in 87. Then he goes to world class. Then he goes back to Memphis. Then he's back 10 years on the mainland. And this guy still hasn't learned anything about being a civilized human being. He's still he's still a primitive headhunter. And he's still that. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, if we're going to yeah. talk about this should be more realistic within a couple of years, this guy probably should have like, you know, maybe got a trade. Also, like they're like, oh, come on, that's so fucking stupid. It should be more like the territories. Like he was on the territories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the guy that everybody says is like one of the greatest, and he is. He is. I'm saying this. Two of the guys of this here are the greatest minds in the business, Jerry Lawler and Jerry Jarrett. Okay. Mm-hmm. They are. And I'm not saying they're not. They're like, these guys are great. Everything Vince did WWF stupid with all their cartoon characters. It's like, well, that cartoon character in there with them, with the clown, was created by the two guys that you say are the greatest minds. Yeah, that also so had she- a that also that also had a wrestling mummy and Doctor Frank and yeah, and again, and like you like you're saying, I love I, I love the fact that Memphis is wacky. I, I'm a fan of Memphis wrestling, so I'm not yeah. I'm not dissing it, but I agree with you. The fans have a double standard. Yeah. And guess why they came up with those cartoon characters and outlandish gimmicks? Because they were trying to compete with the WWF. <laughs> the WWF is making money. And guess what the wrestling business is? The business. The business. Shit. They're on my shit. Face. Shit. Not to mention, I mean, you look at cards from the 1960s. There's literally a guy named Batman. So it's yeah. not like it's not like Vince McMahon started cartoony wrestling. Yeah. It's like my favorite Scott Hall line. Everybody wants to call it the wrestling business until you start treating it like a business. Yeah. <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> it's one of my, it's my, that and Stig needs to get a better lawyer. Those are my two favorite. That and what are we too close to Portland? Yeah, that shit's funny too. But like, <laughs> that's him like fucking with somebody like one on one, you know, which is no problem with. He's like, I bet mm-hmm. you got a lot of candy bars and cigarettes and Alcatraz. You know, that shit's funny just because he's barraging like like berating like one person. And I'm trying to think about like that's fun to imagine him saying that to Piper in a bar and Piper not being able to do anything. Especially because it's Piper and usually Piper's that guy. Yeah, like Piper's furious and can't do anything about it. And I love both of those guys. But yeah, that everybody wants to Wants to say you need to treat it like the everything. Ah, everybody says the wrestling business treat it like the business until you treat it like the business. But I just lost the plot on that. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, okay. we went way into the weeds on that. Um, but Kamala does his roll him over gimmick. Um, a couple different times, and then uh, Doink ends up rolling up Kamala and getting his feet on the um and holding the tights. Sorry, I must put put his feet on the ropes. Holds the tights one, two, three, winner of the match, doing the clown. Yes. And up next, then we get uh Lord Alfred Hayes interviewing Mr. Perfect, who, like Aaron said, this is where they are trying to put it's it's the it's the pro wrestling business. They're trying to put some butts in the seats for the rest of the tour. So Mr. Perfect alludes to the fact that he's gonna be wrestling uh Lex Luger, the narcissist in London, and et cetera, et cetera. So he's talking about the tour. Um 
And then after that, this was my favorite match on the card. I have that in my I have that. It's like I have the least uh, other than other than the Typhoon Brooklyn Brawler match. I have the least amount of notes for this match because I was just watching this fucking match. <laughs> I'm like, great. these two are fucking lighting it up. <laughs> Mr. Perfect versus Samu of the Head Shrinkers. Like, what the f- where did that fucking come from? <laughs> And I'm not even knocking Samu, you know what I mean? Like he's really good, but you know, there's not a lot of I didn't I didn't go into this expecting it to be such a competitive like back yeah. and forth. Yeah, and there's not a lot of um unless you can steer me somewhere else that I'm not thinking of, there's not a lot of Samu single stuff. That I that's no. out there. He, I'm sure he had a singles career, like in the territories and stuff. But everything I've ever seen of him, he's usually with he's usually with Rakishi. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. He's no, I haven't either. I mean, the most that I've seen, it's actually kind of comical. Not comical in the wrestling, but when he first when he first kind of like the first territory that that the old man sent him to was he sent him to Fritz and world class. So when I think it's like 81 or 82, somewhere in there, maybe, yeah, probably 82 he's in world class and he's just the Samoan. But the thing that's funny about it is he's like, he's not as big as he got. He's not skinny, but he's not as big as he got. And he's got like an awkward fro and he's, he's just called the Samoan, but that's all. Yeah, you're right. Other than that, really mostly all I ever have seen of him was in tag team action. And this wasn't even a match where I'm like, oh, Kurt Hennig got a good match out of that guy. You know, because Kurt could get a good match out of anybody. Mm-hmm. I was just like, Samu just had a badass match with Kurt Hennig. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that wasn't him. That wasn't that wasn't Kurt getting a guy through a match. That was that dude went out there and fucking went toe-to-toe and hung with fucking Kurt Hennig. Like... And they don't even wait for it, man. They fucking light it up right at this <laughs> yes. It's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> They're doing drop downs and leap up. Like, like it's like, what the fuck is like Will Ospreay and fucking Ricochet or whatever? Yeah. Like, this is better than the, all that other flippity shit. You know what I mean? Because at least they have like grown ass men and they're at least selling it. Mm-hmm. You know? And it, it's just like this fucking match was really fucking good. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I really like enjoyed nobody, it. Yeah, if nobody watches anything else on this thing, just go out of your way to watch this. The uh, the end of the match, like we said, it's a oh, good match. Right, right. Oh, go there, there, there's a Bobby line. Like that shows how good the match is. Really, the only thing I, the only note I have is that Bobby claims um, that he had to teach Mister Perfect everything. That he knows, including how to read and write, because when he got Mr. Perfect, he was illiterate. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. Yeah. Bobby loves to go illiterate on people when he wants to make fun of somebody. <laughs> like when you <laughs> do you ever do you remember what he called Jimmy Snooker? Jimmy uh, Snicker confronts Honky Tonk. I think it's Honky Tonk now. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 you know what he calls him? Illiterate tree monkey. Yes, I was, I was going to say illiterate monkey, but I, I was like, there's something else in there. Like, he comes out and interrupts the fucking thing, and on commentary, Bobby's like, ugh, there's a literate tree monkey. 
Yeah, because that was what that was what they were first gonna do with Snuka when he came back after WrestleMania five was put him in a program with Honky Tonk Man, but it didn't come to fruition. I think they did some house show matches and it probably bombed and it would have been great. It would have been the first guy you could hit with a guitar and just the guy just looks at him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no. Oh no. Oh no. I just watched the Monday Night Raw last night where he tries to give the guitar to um, Jesse James, and I don't know. I, I I pop every time. He's like, "It's a family heirloom, heirloom." Vince McMahon goes heirloom, <laughs> and then like the, ne- like the next week, he's got it like in a bag. Yes, guitar. <laughs> he's carrying around in a bag. Heirloom, heirloom. Because yeah, he's like. Heirloom, and then Vince McMahon goes heirloom, and and, and Jerry Lawler goes, yeah, heirloom. You know, it's in the family. <laughs> Everybody pronounced heirloom wrong. Yeah. Anyway, his favorite review is it Survivor Series when he's singing his song, like in front of um, the table. It's either Survivor Series or that WrestleMania. It's WrestleMania because that's when he's when Salton and them are beating up the Rock. He's like, kick him in the head. Yeah. <laughs> But like you say, they're singing his song, and Vince is like, "All right, sit down." <laughs> You've been standing there too this long. Is, this is too long and awkward. <laughs> and he also says, "I heard Rocky Maivia was in the back. He got upset stomach, yeah, or no? Upset he, stomach. He's upset stomach. He's upset stomach." <laughs> but yeah, this match, uh, Samu misses to, to do the finish. Samu misses a headbutt off the top. Mister Perfect gets a perfect plex out of nowhere. So like we said, it wasn't a squash. It was a back-and-forth 50-50 match that was really fucking good. And um, I would recommend, like Aaron said, I actually tell somebody, look this match up and watch it. You'll enjoy it. It's good shit. The next match. Good shit, pal. Is I, not good shit, pal. <laughs> one of my biggest – one of my – I'll get to my notes. But um, it is Bob Backlund versus Damian Demento. <laughs> I have two notes. It's like, why did you even fly Damien Demento all the way to the United Kingdom? That's one of my notes. <laughs> I googled. I googled because I had assumed they flew out of flew out of New York. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was like, these two traveled four thousand two hundred and fifty five miles for nobody to give a fuck. <laughs> my first note on the match is at the. At the beginning of the match, Bob Backlund does the haka. Like I was like, he's doing that shit that Samoa Joe used to do, yeah. <laughs> or the the Usos. Yeah, he's doing it well. He's got rhythm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if anybody remembers back when the Usos used to do the haka or whatever before they came to the ring, but Bob Backlund's doing that when he starts out here, looking very. And you know, I I wonder sometimes about Bob Backlund, and I've mentioned it on the show a million times. Everybody does. <laughs> but I've mentioned it on the show a million times. I, I think Bob Backlund's awesome, and he's one of the coolest wrestlers I've ever met in person. Such a great dude. But do you think that Bob Backlund is self-aware of how ridiculous he is, or he's really that ridiculous and he doesn't realize it? Do you think I, he, do you, do, does my question make sense? Yes. <laughs> I think he's an eccentric guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And 
I think some, how do I say it? There's, I think he likes fucking with people. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. I just think he likes fucking with people and see how they're going to react. Now, his fitness stuff and everything like that, I think he takes that. that yeah. I think oh, that obviously. Yeah. And everything. But um, the reason I know, or not say no, but the reason I think, how do I want to say, it? I think he's more in on the joke than he lets on. Mm-hmm. Because the way I can say that is because when he became a heel and became Mister Backland, he turned it up. He turned it up a thousand. Yeah, <laughs> he did some shit that that's that's <laughs> like that, one, one of the best that, things. That's is- like it's like he it's like nobody would go out there and be like, I think the I think the school system should be handing out condominiums. Yeah, I mean, he knows what a condom is. Yeah, you know what I mean, but he's saying condominiums because he wants to get the 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 rise out of people. You know what I mean? Or like with his old fucking clip glasses and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I think honestly, I think that when he became heel, he didn't want to do it all the time before because he took his he took his profession serious. And I'm never gonna knock anybody for taking their profession mm-hmm. serious, but I think when he became a heel. He was like, I've been doing this for fucking 20 years, right? Right. And now he's like, I can have fucking fun. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I can have a good time now. Mr. Mister Backland, and I always say this because everybody knows I'm, you know, I mean, in the long and short of everything, I consider myself a big WWF guy slash WWE but my least other other than 99 99 is my least favorite year just because the creative is so all over the place but the most boring year in WWF history is 94 and he is the shining light of night heel Mr. Backlund is like the shining light of 1994 and early 95 he's so fucking good and I, I don't, the, the night that well, I was just gonna say one of the funniest things ever. He doesn't even say anything at the '95 King of the Ring when they're in Philadelphia and he's going around Philadelphia and he's on that carriage or whatever, and they just shoot the camera and he just does his little his little hand pose and say <laughs> he knew what he was doing. He you know saw that I mean? he saw that camera and he was like, <laughs> "Billy Cheesecake," you know, shit like that, and. I don't know why. They need to put, you need to take this and put some carrots in it. He's got that Philly cheesesteak. He's telling you to put carrots in it. Yeah, he's making that shit up as he goes. And he's a funny dude. And um, he, he had that WWF sense of humor. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, Like, you know, that humor that they always talk about, like Patterson and Briscoe and, and Pritchard and Vince and all them had and behind the scenes and stuff. Yeah. The 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 horse laughing and shit like that. He's in on all that. And and you know how I know he's in on all that or why I think I know he's in on all that? Um, In the history of the WWE Hall of Fame, which we're going to bring it up again, when anybody had gone long or had a bad fucking induction ceremony did vince mcmahon ever come out and work it and get rid of him no well who bob 
remember Bob went long and Bob like there Vince snuck out there like Shh, I gotta get Bob off the stage, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. So uh, um what was I gonna say about there's one other thing I was gonna say about Bob, but it doesn't matter. Um the other that we're talking about Bob like going forever, but um <clears throat> my other thing was too the guy that played Damien Dement Damien Demento. He ain't no fucking normal dude either. No, he went. He's he's a space cadet. <laughs> that too. Remember when he did them old shoot interviews on YouTube? Like, mm-hmm. oh, that shit's ancient. I want to try to find those again. But <clears throat> that's just my thing. Was that my my notes were like I said, these guys traveled four thousand two hundred fifty five miles for nobody to give a fuck. And then it was like, just picture these two fucking lunatics going over their match before we go out there. My my two notes on it, and then we'll do the finish. Um, is firstly, nobody cares about this match, not the fans nor the commentators, because <laughs> for some of the match, Bobby and Jr. are completely quiet. And then when they're not completely quiet, they're talking okay. about anything but this match. Yeah, talking about Yokozuna and WrestleMania, and and then my I'm second be- my second note is why did they give them so long? Like they gave they these guys wrestled for like twelve fucking minutes. <laughs> no, their match went twelve minutes. They wrestled for about six of it because like fucking Demento was just like walking around. Talking to himself and be like, I'm going to take Bob back into the other plateau. And then, like, pointing and stuff. It's like, what is going on? Well, Bob Backlund wins it with a bridge. <laughs> Thankfully. Mer- mercifully, it's over. And it's- I guess I guess this is when I, Alfred Hage interviewed Mr. Perfect and he talked about facing Lex Luger. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Damien Demento sucked. Yeah, he stunk. That dude was no good. I don't know how he got in there. It's because it was 93. Talent was leaving. He, he, well, I guess he came in late 92, so I guess I can't say that. It was late 92. He was a Northeast guy. He had a big build and a weird look. So I think they just were like, yeah, let's take a shot on this dude. And then it turned out, you know. It's also funny. Thinking about being the being the one like one of like the handful of guys that the WWE or WWF fires you, and then like WCW isn't like, hey, you want to come over? Like they fired him, and Demento is probably like, I'll get a gig with WCW. They're paying everybody to do nothing, and they're like, we're good. That's what I always wondered. <laughs> that's what I. That's what I always wondered about Tatanka. Was I Tatanka- think. Tatanka- <clears throat> yeah, but Tatanka. But I, no, I'm not dissing Tatanka. You know, no, I love Tatanka, but I'm not just, it was always weird to me. He never wound up in WCW. I'm not dissing Tatanka. I'm not dissing Tatanka either. But Tatanka got fired. You never read about. Well, yeah, that whole thing about the hotel room. And, yeah, with Jimmy Del Rey. Because mm-hmm. they were like, we don't believe Tatanka was involved in whatever happened to that girl. But Jimmy Del Rey, yeah. Like, <laughs> we believe that happened because everything I heard, he's kind of a creep on the road. Not like a, I don't know, not like, not like uh fucking Gator Wolf or fucking Zoomhoff right. creep, which is whatever. <clears throat> I have a pretty good thought process, I think, of they told Tatanka, you're collateral damage for a minute. You need to go away for a couple months. Don't, don't sign anything. 
you know, and then and then we'll go ahead and bring you back. You know what I mean? But then they never brought him back, so that's why I don't understand why. Well, they did bring like, him back. Uh, no, I'm saying like what after he left fight for finally in '96. At that point, WCW was still scooping up every former WWF talent that's they could true. get their hands on. They never, they never, I don't know if that was Tatanka's choice. Like if he just decided he didn't want to work full time for a big company anymore, or if it was just maybe WCW didn't have interest. But just he was such a good wrestler and such a, I guess you'd say in the mid 90s, he was kind of a big name that it just always like WCW never, never reached out and, and grabbed him. Like I said, well, I, maybe he just didn't want to go. I don't know. Mm hmm. Well, up next is another match that you would think would only be a couple of minutes long, but it's also long. <laughs> it is Typhoon versus the Brooklyn Brawler. And I mean, it's not terrible. These two guys are fine, but yeah. what the fuck? Typhoon, Typhoon, I said his name weird. Sorry. Typhoon is a, is a good guy for like a good, decent big man wrestler. Like, I'm not saying he's like fucking Bam Bam Bigelow. Mm -hmm. Or even Earthquake, you know what I mean? Like, I think Earthquake's a better bell-to-bell -bell guy than than Typhoon was. But it, it's a decent match. And, and you know what? One thing you say about, one thing I've heard generally about old Uncle Fred. Hell of a dude. Hell of a dude. Everybody liked him. He's one of those guys that, you, you I never heard anybody say a bad word about him. Secondly, yeah, he's a big dude. But he also is one of those guys that another guy, like, somebody's going to say, you know what? He never hurt anybody. Yeah. You know, he was he was a worker and he was like I said, he got along with everybody. <laughs> and and usually in wrestling when somebody flubs or something bad happens to him, other wrestlers kind of rejoice in it. You know what I mean? When he felt that, that yeah, thing, every shoot, like, oh man. Yeah, every shoot interview you hear, they're always like, Oh, and I felt so bad for Fred. Yeah, I felt bad for Fred. Well, first of all, it wasn't his fault. They they, uh, they that board. He yeah. didn't know that board was there. But like I'm just saying if that would have happened to anybody else, he'd be like, like like the guys still laugh at it, you know, but they're like, oh, that sucks. That kind of hurt Fred a little bit, you know. I love when Dusty talks about it though. Because when it played, Dusty said uh um Cody was watching it, like watching it on replay or whatever when they were kids and fucking Shockmaster blows out of the <laughs> blows out of the wall. He said Cody was like real kid looked at him was like, is that Uncle Fred? Because <laughs> it actually is his Uncle Fred, you know. <laughs> like blew out of the wall. And he's like, is that Uncle Fred? <laughs> I see it's like, yeah, that was Uncle Fred. <laughs> it's also funny if you listen, if you go and watch the clip, you can actually hear Davey say, Oh, he fell on his fucking ass. Oh, his fucking ass. He's got to get up and put his fucking hat on. Shit, it's so stupid. But anyway, <laughs> it's not about that. Yeah, um, well, and I mean, I, I you know, I, it, we couldn't talk about the match because there isn't much to talk about the match. Typhoon yeah. wins it with a power slam. but And it's 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 the same note as I had about the nasties and not about Typhoon. Um, and not saying he doesn't, but... I think Steve Lombardi should definitely be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah. I mean, he was there for... Ever. Yeah. He was there for... For... Let's see. He probably came in 84. 83, 84. 
and he was let go. I mean, it hasn't even been five years, right? I believe so. So he was there for over 30 years and he was, he was, and that's what one of my notes here is brawlers on this card because he was probably the agent, you know, or you're probably one of the two or three agents that went over there for the tour. He was part of the, he was part of the backstage process for so much of the wrestling history that people our age have seen and, and, and enjoy. Yeah. And I think he should be, I think he should, those, those are the type of people that I think should be, I'm not saying they all, ha, it all has to be on them, but I think there should be one guy like that every year. That's the only thing I'd say about it. Maybe somebody, should be, somebody they should honor that and not in, not put them in, in that legacy thing or whatever. Right. <clears throat> there should be one guy. How, I don't know how the WWE decides who goes in their hall of fame. I really don't. But I think there should be, a, a, and I doubt they asked their locker room. Like they might yeah. ask the guys, you know, like some of the upper, upper guys. But I think there should be that one guy that they send out to their locker room and to the guys that are retired and not there anymore. You know, I know mm-hmm. everybody's got like legends deals or whatever, but they should just put that blast out there. Be like, who do you guys, who, who do you guys want to, See this year, one one name, and then find out what the consistent name is. Right, you know what I'm saying? And I guarantee, mm-hmm. like guys, like I guarantee, guys, like Lombardi, um, um, uh, Tim Tim White, you know, people like that. They probably Whippleman, Harvey Whippleman, you know, those guys. Let it be that, and let and, even and Bruce let, Pritchard, Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> give those guys a day on TV, like one night on TV, where they can come out there. And, Everybody can stand up and cheer for him. You know what I mean? Like the unsung. Instead of giving me the warrior, uh, I shouldn't even say that because I'm not. I'm not dissing the warrior award. I don't like the guy that it's named after. Yeah, it should be. It should be the Titus O'Neil award. Yeah, or the or, or the Shad Jaspar award, something yeah. like that. Not the fucking warrior award. That was a piece of shit. But like, have it be the unsung hero award or whatever. Like this mm-hmm. guy that. You might not even know who this guy is, you know, but he's the fucking man. But go ahead. Sorry. Up next, we get uh, Lord Alfred Hayes interviewing the narcissist Lex Luger. Uh, they discuss he's going to be he's going to be wrestling Jim Duggan later on. They discuss the uh, you know, he's still doing the, the the illegal plate in the arm gimmick in the forearm and uh, how he's going to be facing Mr. Perfect upcoming in this European tour. And the yeah, we'll talk about it when we get to the match. Now we can talk about it now. Luger never fit in the WWF, and it's so weird because he he should have. He's got I the build. It. He's got the build, and I, he just to me when I think Alex Luger, to me he is just a WCW guy. He is, and um. It's not – I don't like to be one of those guys that's like, oh, when they got to the WWF, they did this, they did that. You know, it's like because it, they're going to change people, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think he was one of those wrestlers that – there's certain wrestlers they don't because they don't need changed. Right. Like, 
they did not need to change Lex Luger into the narcissist. I, I understand, like, Vince met the guy, and he was like, <clears throat> like, you know, they said, like, everybody says it, like, Luger came off naturally cocky and kind of full of himself and everything like that, you know? And Vince was like, look at this guy. He's like, this is his personality. We're going to make him the narcissist. It's like, don't change his, just call him the total package. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that WCW doesn't own the trademark the total package. <laughs> you know, just call yeah. him out. If they would have let him be that shit character that he was in WCW, everything would have been a totally different thing. Yeah, and it after even after even after they turned him face, the reason that didn't work is first of all, Lex Luger's always best as a heel. Yeah. Secondly, secondly. It was a bad choice for him to be turned because it 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 literally reeked of desperation as we are looking for a new Hulk Hogan. Instead of saying we are looking for our next big star, fuck Hulk Hogan. It literally was like they were saying out loud, "We need a we need Hulk Hogan, yeah, it's, so it's we have of, to create a new Hulk Hogan." It's like we talked about with J. It, it's the same thing as we talked about with JYD. Mm-hmm. Like, don't try to find the next JYD or the new JYD. Just try to find the next star that you have. Yeah, you know? and and it, it was it was uh, yeah it was and it was like, and the fans at that point, the fans' choice was Bret Hart. That yeah. Lex Luger made in the USA thing was dead on arrival. It was not going to work because again, it's a you're trying to recreate Hulk Hogan, and these people are now invested. The people that are still watching your fucking show, <laughs> even you know your attendance might be down. Here. Your, your attendance might be down and your ratings might be down, but the people that are still watching are now, they want Bret Hart. Yeah. And, and, and their company went from being um, um, non-wrestling people, like non-hardcore fans watching to the non-hardcore fans went away. And now you just had the hardcore fans mm-hmm. and they're like, we don't like this Lex Luger. Yeah. Like, if you would have brought the total pack, like, he was over in WCW with the hardcore fans as being a cocky, arrogant guy, mm-hmm. and they, they liked watching that, you know? But then when they try to make him, like, oh, now he's got a big fucking silver fucking robe on, and what the fuck? It looks like Bobby Heenan just gave him head. <laughs> and then, like, he, he's he's already not good. He's already not that great at cutting promos. And now you're trying to make him talk like he's like the narcissist, and they gave him like a they gave him like a fucking name that he could barely say. Mm-hmm. Like Luger's not the best promo in the world. He's not great at pronunciation and shit like that. Allocades, <clears throat> allocades, yeah. Like it should have just been Bobby managing him. And I know Bobby didn't want to manage, but it should have just been his association with Bobby. And he's the total package, and that's what he is. I think they doomed him when he walked in the door. I agree. The next match on the show is an intercontinental title match. It's Shawn Michaels versus Crush. You know, it's funny because uh, I've only ever seen the only other other time I've seen Shawn Michaels wrestle Crush when it wasn't like Shawn Michaels and in the Rockers and Crush and Demolition. Is it King of the Ring 93? They have a singles match. 
So I saw this match, and then I wrote down, you know what? Both times I've seen Shawn Michaels wrestle Crush, it was a good match. They actually had good chemistry. Yeah, and I put that it's two of Vince's favorite people. Like, yeah. <laughs> Vince loved Brian Adams. You'd always find a fucking spot for that dude. Um, and I'm not and and like Crush is like a guy that you were just talking about that just universally like everybody's like, oh Brian not or Brian Brian Adams fucking cool. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Everybody liked him. Um they do have a great fucking chemistry together, and and it's not even how to say it. I'm not saying Crush was like, you know. The, the greatest fucking bell to bell worker, but when he needed to put on his working boots, he could put on his working boots. And um, I actually wouldn't have mind seeing like a small little Kona Crush intercontinental title run. Yeah. I always like the guy. Like, there's not a incarnation of Brian Adams that I wasn't entertained by. And he's the only guy that ever got me to be like somewhat entertained by fucking uh, Brian Clark. You know, it's like it's I, I, Chronic was an R eighteen, but I just <clears throat> I think he's an underrated worker, and um, stated that on our Facebook page. I'm going to do the wrestler of the week, and Brian Adams is the first one I put up there. I just think the guy was underrated. And worked in every role that he went. When he was a face, like he worked as a face because he could he could smile and be happy, and kids liked him. And and you know, and then when he was a heel, he sold being a heel really good. I just, I've never. I I do too. And you know what? To be honest with you, I have to say, and I mean, and yes, I will say this. I will say this, and this is covering this is covering the early nineties. This is covering the Attitude Era. It didn't. It didn't wind up. It did. What do I say? It didn't wind up as good as it could have. It, had, it fell kind of flat at the end. But the Crush Randy Savage thing is one of the best angles of the '90s in that company. Yeah, like the angle itself. You know, like. You just sat there and let Yokozuna bust up my ribs and you never called me brother and blah, blah, blah. It was almost like it was almost like crush or Randy Savage got to play the Hulk Hogan role in the Randy Savage Hulk Hogan feud. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're supposed to be my friend, brother. But he's me as your whatever. And and it was great. I think if that would have just been a fucking falls count anywhere match or a no rules match or something at WrestleMania tend to be talked about different, but the fucking match was stupid the way they. Yeah. Right. But that's neither here nor there. And that's not what we're talking about on this. Not, not, not getting away from what you were not discounting what you were saying or whatever, but mm-hmm. I agree. And I think purple crush was actually like, Cool looking, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the black and the silver paint and this, that, and everything. It was good shit. But and it uh, would it it probably would have went farther had he not had his legal troubles. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you have way too much shit in your house. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was funny too because they just brought him back. Like, ah, fuck it, let's talk about it. Gilbert. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's just everything I ever heard about the guy. And like, um. The Vince McMahon 
would just be like, what do we got for Brian Adams? You know, cause he wanted him on his show and he loved him. Um, just a universally loved guy. Taker's best friend. Like he was legit undertaker's best friend. Like there, there's not a lot of shit like Taker post backstage stuff from like back in the day or whatever. Like on his Instagram and Twitter and all that, but he's posted shit like that before, like when they were at, at SummerSlam in Wembley or whatever. Like, did you ever see any of that stuff? Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. So like, dude's universe. Like, when your best friends are Hulk, or when your best friends are Randy Savage and the Undertaker, you're a good dude. You know what I mean? Like, they're mm-hmm. not hang out with anybody. So. The next thing we get, oh, sorry. Okay. And I was just going to say, you know, Sean, 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 um, but talking about Bob being a heel in 94, 95, that's the other thing that made me laugh. Anytime Sean Michaels, anytime a heel, Sean Michaels and heel Bob Backlund were together, it always made me laugh. I yeah. Don't know why. But they were always because, like, you guys are on the same side, but they're totally different. Yeah, but the funny thing, the funniest thing about it, yes, yeah, I was going to say, they're completely different, but they, for some reason, like each other. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, but they do the whole thing in this match with Sean walking out, getting counted out. Yeah. Um, um, and Sean gets counted out, but then... Um, Crush ends up getting him back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Crush ends up getting him back in the ring, slamming around a little bit to get the fans to to be able to cheer because because um, they're not going to end the show happy. So they gave him this little bit of main event or this little bit of happiness, and then we roll into what I think is not a good match. Well, before this, before the match, no, it's not a good match. But before oh, yeah. the match. We have uh, Bobby Heenan interviewing Mr. Fuji and Yokozuna. Like I said, Yokozuna just lost the title to Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania. Well, he won the title from Bret Hart and lost the title to Hulk Hogan on the same night. And then um, he's pretty much, you know, because, well, Hulk Hogan ain't going to be around. So they have him in a feud with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah. Uh, we ever watched, have we ever watched WrestleMania 9? And like, yes. We did it. We actually, a long time ago, did a literal watch along with WrestleMania 9. One of the worst fucking ideas. One of the worst booking decisions in the history of ever was that. And it was, it was all, it was all politics. Yep. Just a bad everything all around. I wouldn't even have cared if they would have done it the next night. Mm-hmm. Well, our to me, honestly, my opinion, you have the 505-pound Yokos in it, as we know, you know. Anyway, have he, he would have had a an uninterrupted, dominant, one-year-long heel title reign in the WWF if that wouldn't have happened because he would have won it at WrestleMania 9 and lost it at WrestleMania 10. Which was the original plan, I guarantee. Mm-hmm. But if they were going to do it, I just, like I said, I would have just rather, I wouldn't rather him do it at all, but just right. have it be the next night. And uh, Yoko is like, I'm the champion or whatever. And have Hogan come out on roll and fucking do whatever. Yeah. But, instead, it, you're right. Instead, the way they did it, it, 
it sucked for everybody but Hulk Hogan because first it made Yokozuna, who's supposed to be a dominant champion, already look weak. And then it made a Bret Hart look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> but uh, then, like Aaron said, the main event of this show is Lex Luger versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh, Yokozuna at ringside. Yes, Yokozuna stays out at ringside. <laughs> but what's funny is, like, when they pan to him, he's just sitting there. Like, like, did you notice that? Yeah, like, he has no expression on his face. He's just he doesn't look at the camera. He doesn't menace at the camera. He's just sitting there like Stu Hart, just like he has no idea what's going on. But anyway. And Bobby Heenan, Bobby Heenan knew what was going to happen throughout this whole night. So he positioned himself to look superior and make the UK fans look stupid because he said that he said like at least two or three times throughout the night, we're in the United Kingdom. So they're not going to chant USA for Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And then what do they do? They chant USA for him. He's like, these idiots. I don't know where they're at. He knew. He knew. But yeah, the match itself is not is not Luger, anything to write home about. Yeah, Luger and Jim Duggan should not wrestle each other very much. I don't know how often they were doing this on the house shows or whatever, but if this was the finished product, I was like, good lord, this is not a good match. Um, I'm not like... I want to say it. I'm not the hugest Jim Duggan fan. I respect Jim Duggan and everything like that. I understand that he had great times in like mid south and everything like that. And and there was there was there there was a time in the WWF where you talk about if you talk about popularity, he was right there behind Hogan and Jake Roberts. Yeah, but and and I'm not knocking because I've said it before. I'm not knocking anybody. It's like okay, I'm gonna start doing kind of the the um, goofier type stuff, you know, like God bless them, you know, Mm -hmm. but, and I'm sure Vince made him wear it, but I didn't like, I didn't like singlet Jim Duggan at all. It's like, why is he wearing a singlet? But I'm sure Vince's like, you're getting a little fat there, buddy, or whatever, you know, (laughs) but I just, I don't know. To me, you're a little paunchy pal. Yeah. To me, I would have preferred, and I know everybody's got to make a living, but I would have preferred Jim Duggan getting squashed by Yokozuna and taken out on the taken out on the stretcher. Like that's it. We don't need him back. <laughs> and I don't want to say it that way, but you yeah, get no, you're right. He his his as far as the WWF went, you're right. He he kind of overstayed his welcome as far as that went. And now, what I will say though, what I will say, and again, we get off track, but that's fine. The point of the point of us reviewing these shows, folks, isn't always necessarily the, to review the show. It's to talk about the people involved in the show. So if the conversation goes off, it goes. But what I will say is of the later, like you said, the singlet Jim Duggan, he has one really good match in that era. In like that was Sean on Raw? Yes. His I guess I'll say two matches. He has two really good matches with Shawn Michaels in the early days of Monday Night Raw. 
for the yeah, year. Because he's working with Shawn Michaels. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not saying that in a negative way, but Lex Luger is not Shawn Michaels, right? <laughs> you know what I mean, like at all. And in uh, grand house in grand house show fashion, with this whole thing, all the roosters come home. You know, all the chickens come home to roost here because Yokozuna interferes on the outside. Lex Luger hits Duggan with the forearm, gets the victory, but. Out comes Mr. Perfect. So you got your two top baby faces on the card, your two top heels on the card, and they're out there. And uh, that's the way they end the show. So, yeah. Um, it was a decent little show. I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. it. I enjoyed it too. Um, there's a couple, like, there's like one thing, like, could have done without, like, we could have done without Bob Backlund versus fucking Damian Demento. And the, but then there was a, a surprise gem. You got to see a really good match you never seen before. Well, I know. I'm saying. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like we could have went without Demento and and Backlund and maybe gave Crush and Sean a little bit more time, you know. But I know everybody deserves to make a living, and you can't get over. You can't get somebody over if you don't put them out there, you know. Mm-hmm. But that match was way too long, and. Honestly, the only like turd in the punch bowl in the whole thing because I know Luger, like I said, Luger and Duggan wasn't the greatest match in the world, but that was a match that served its purpose. And it and they only they literally only wrestled for like four minutes before all yeah. the shit went down. Yeah, and it's a match that served its purpose. The match itself wasn't that great, but the shit that happened after it was cool, mm-hmm. and it moved it moved them into what they were trying to do in London. So it served its purpose. Backlund and Demento served no purpose. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. That that was, been like great. you said, like you said, that match, I could even allow for it to be on the card if it would have been shorter and Sean and Crush would have been longer. Yeah. It was, it was, it was but. Now a heel, a heel Bob Backlund, a heel Mr. Backlund, like managing a Damian Demento, that might be fun. <laughs> that's that's going to be a wrap for this week's edition of the show. Um, next time around, we've got kind of a cool topic coming up. We're going to talk about our five, each of our five favorite WWF, WWF, WWF. <laughs> it's because I was going to say slash WWF slash WWE world title matches of all time. So it's just, we're just talking about the WWF title. So you're not talking about like the world title or the universal title or any of that. We're just talking about that single, the WWF championship, which would um, be the belt that, um, I don't want to say it. Hogan, Hogan won, right? Yeah. When it, well, yeah. Bob I mean, you could you could go all the way back to Buddy Rogers, but that title yeah. lineage. Yeah. Up until like, yeah, like the one like, and then Brock won it on SmackDown. That belt, not not tri- not the one Vince or not the one that um, Eric. Like gave Triple H. No, 
that's that, not the WWF championship. No, that's not the WWE championship. That's the world championship. Right. So is what is what I was getting at. If it says WWF WWE World in front of it, that's not the belt we're talking about. Exactly. So that's going to be what it is, and it's a personal choice. We're not saying what we think are the greatest because sometimes your favorite may not be regarded as one of the greatest by everybody else, but just personal favorite WWF title matches of all time coming up on the next edition of the show. So we will close this up. Any parting words for the listeners? Just thanks for listening. Listen to all the other shows on the network. We'll go into all of them right now, but you know what they are. And um, please subscribe, listen, rate us. That's an important thing. Um, we can be on Spotify and you guys could like us all you want, but if you're not rating us, we're not moving up anything. So right. ratings are important. And like Aaron Comment. said, check out all the other shows on the network. If you're listening to the show and you're not in our Facebook group, go ahead and join the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network Facebook group. Um, where we have all kinds of discussions, polls, different things like that. And check us out on YouTube. Search for WrestleNet. WrestleNet is one word. WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network on the YouTubes. That being said, we're going to sign off for this week. We'll see everybody next time around. Have a great week, everybody. And thank you for listening to the Weekend Wrestle Podcast. And as as they would say in England, cheerio. Yeah. Bottle of water.